Good afternoon. You're very welcome here to Local Media This Week on Scarath Bay Community Radio, the programme where we look at the local print media here in County Clare and we talk about the various items which come up there. We have the Clare Champion and we have the Clare Echo and around the table we have our most of our usual guests. Pat O'Brien uh, is still away this week, hopefully he'll be back next week. But we have, our, other than that, we have our regular panel and that is John S. Kelly. Good afternoon, John. Afternoon, Jim. David Fleming. David, you're welcome. Thanks very much, Jim. And again, coming off the bench uh, for Pat O'Brien is the one and only Luke Fleming. Luke, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. I hope to return to my normal position of left outside next week. <laughs> Call the forward. Left outside, Let's John. <laughs> now, we're looking at uh, a number of items here. I suppose the, the scare from Clare, John, is we can't, uh, we must start with that. This probably will be the last uh, reference, will it? Because we, we, we should take a share in the responsibility of that going to uh, the new centre, which is the Mighty Cusick Centre. What's that now, John? That being the Scare from Clare, which is renamed the Puka. The Puka. And there's a ballad. I can hear and see a ballad in this. And if we can't have a Puka here in East Clare, we can have a ballad. we'll have a ballad. <laughs> and I'm beginning to feel as well it's high time that we. And now, ah yes, I knew there was something in my mind, David. And that is, who is entitled to decide and vote on a public art? Now that's what, the, the book is going to the Mighty Music Centre, okay? Yes, we've this, lost, this is the... St- the we, we did our best right to yeah. shift the direction. Just in case the listener might, might, might not have been... Following, following the story as much as we yeah. have been over the last months, yeah. um, th- this is the now infamous statue that um, was intended for um, Innes Diamond, yeah. and it had been commissioned by the by the council in 2021 uh, in order to attract people to Innes Diamond. And it did. It did. Well, it attracted without a lot any, of attention. Without any uh, actual <laughs> statue, they were going down looking at where it was going to be. Exactly, and this is where you, this is where your question comes in, John, because after the consultation, now it wasn't a vote, but it was kind of a vote. Yeah. After a consultation, an Irish kind of a, vote. a kind of an Irish clear yeah. solution to a clear <laughs> problem, um, the locals in an assignment didn't want this particular piece of sculpture. Some locals. Some locals. No, that's very, some locals. very important. It divided the community, it yeah. would have to it, it would say. And and the council took fright anyway with yeah. this resistance, this local resistance, yeah. and said, Oh, we'll withdraw it so from an assignment and we'll put it somewhere in North Clare, in the same electoral district, I suppose. Mm. It's worth thirty thousand euro. Yes. You know, to the sculptor who made it, whose name is Aidan Hart. Mm-hmm. And um, the piece is on page six, by the way, of, of the Clare Echo and page two of the of Champion. The champion yeah. And uh, the full details are there. But then what happened was the council, having taken fright, decided, um, well, we, we'll open it up to offers, um, oh, but only from North, only from North Clare. We didn't, we didn't get any list of criteria that was going to offer it because, you know, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, the only item of criteria was that uh, it must be in North Clare. Yeah. Yes. 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 But yeah. who, I, I stood back to my question. Uh, uh, you know, if 
A community is considering putting a, filling in a blank space with a piece of public art. Who should determine it? Should it be a bit of benign democracy or benign dictatorship? Yeah. Well, in or this case, it's the council. Yeah, it was I, a panel, I, I, uh, as, as we read here, it was a panel, an independent panel sat to, um, to adjudicate and make a recommendation, I suppose, to the council. Who they were is another matter, and how they were selected, I think they're the real question. Well, I think the whole thing originated from a group of keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors? Hmm. There appeared to be a lack of proper consultation with the locals in Ennis Diamond at the start of it regarding the actual statue and the yeah. proposed location. Mm. And then the drama started from there. Yeah, and the keyboard yeah. warriors got involved. The council yeah. had their online vote, which one could argue that, you know, that could be manipulated by but a number of people one way yeah. or the other. But the, the, I, I, in Porrick's article on page six of The Echo, I, I note I won't say a bit of cute whorism in an application, but I notice one that's sort of a, a unique selling point, John. A I USP. A USP, yes. And which won it for the Michael Cusick Centre. Over Ballybottom. Yeah. Right, which apparently came a, a close second. But yeah. It's basically said, um, an annual sound slash puka storytelling festival on November the 1st was proposed in the centre's application. Uh. No, mm -hmm. fair play to them. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I thought it was a, a masterstroke. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. off peak. Yeah, for one. Yeah, and get a bit of interest yeah. up there. I, yeah. I, 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 I salute them. Yeah, yes. well, yeah. we yeah. didn't think of that, did we? I mean, we we, we just said we wanted it. Well, but we, we, we weren't willing to put in anything behind it, just as the Michael Cusick Centre. Yeah. But the centre is the perfect location. Why Michael Cus Michael Cusick? was the founder of the GA, right? Yeah. What's he got to do with ghosts? Nothing. But the yeah. townland is called Paul Afuka. Ah. That's it, it's yeah, the um, going all right. Yeah, they had Tahas undown or an Falcha Awalia got Paul Afuka. A curry of an Pisa Alien Erlev Shah said Mr O Hannifin, I think is his name. Mm. Um who is the who is the person behind our the so, public face yeah. of Michael Cusick Centre. It is a nice place to go to now, the are Michael Cusick Centre. Are we going to get a little jaunt as Brunton as Cusula Shin Lai and Carnog and Shas of Scotland? I would hope so. Well, we, we might have a look at it afterwards. There's mention of it in the Clare Champion this yeah, week yeah. of what's coming. I mean, in Scarif there is a nice, uh, the nice um, clock. There is. Which has a bronze... Uh, bronze little pieces. There's little bits around the place. I mean, that to an outsider, that does attract the eye. But I think any, I think anything that um, in the meantime, the, the people place. of Ennis Diamond can erect a little plinth, yeah, and a point of interest, a visitor attraction. This is where the Pooka might have gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in Trafalgar Square. There's an empty plinth. There's four, there's four plinths, I think, in Trafalgar Square. And in the 19th century, they would have put military monarch people yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. They took one down, and one is now empty. Yeah. Uh, it's always left empty for rotating pieces of sculpture. Clever idea. Yes. Very yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. And it means that old white men don't always get to be put on the plinths. Yes, slave owners. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Shannon Airport, and we, we talk about Shannon Airport most weeks. I suppose it is mentioned again this week 
uh, that um, 200 jobs will be coming with the uh, Ryanair and their maintenance facility, which they're opening in Shannon. So that's, uh, that's a very good news story. I tell you, Jim, we've been keywarning here for uh, 12 months in relation to uh, Ryanair's, you know, hesitancy in contributing to further development. We, have, we haven't been kind uh, to Ryanair. So I, I think he has. I, 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 I reject that notion. Do you? <laughs> I, I, I think we've been a lot kinder to Ryanair than we have to Aer Lingus. Really? Yeah, put, Aer Lingus right. really has really got the, the boot in. But yeah. No, but, anyway, we better... but it's, not a, it's not Ryanair themselves. It's a, a company that exclusively deals with Ryanair, but it's mm. not technically Ryanair. You know, it, it's, Is it not? It's not technically. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 but Ryanair, I'm it's looking at the picture now. I'm looking at the picture it. here, and there's a big, there's a big scissors, and the Ryanair colours, which are also the Ukrainian colours, and the Clare colours, and the Clare colours, and Dublin colours. Roscommon, Dublin. Are we talking about the, the, the Roscommon colours? Yes. Oh, it's blue, not, not blue, Dublin, and white. <laughs> anyway, Ryanair is all over. But you're right. It's the Presswick company yeah. that, um, but yeah, that will no, be in fairness, looking in after fairness. Ryanair's planes yeah, in Shannon. Yeah. But this is going to be big. Very big. Employ, employer? 200 employ, people, yeah. Employer. 200 people. Nobody's going to say no to the jobs. Yeah. No. It does yeah. appear, doesn't it appear, though, Luke, that they, they are quite proactive in Shannon in the, past, in the past month? Well, one would like to think that this may be the culmination of them getting such a kick in over the last two years and trying to get their arse mm. in here. Mm. One would hope mm. so. Like, uh, even a little bit like, uh, I don't know, did you notice over the, uh, during the week, uh, I think it was a Kay Burley of Sky News yeah. tweeted how she passed through the airport and what a delight it was to go through security. Of course it was, because it took about 30 seconds, yeah. you, you know? And it's more and more of that sort of a bit mm. of good news is, mm. what, is what we need to be sort of broadcasting. And it is good news for the airport, it's good news for Clare with employment. And mm. hopefully, you know, that's it from small acres. Big trees will grow. Indeed, indeed. And maybe, indeed. maybe Shannon Airport. Reading, reading the piece by Owen Ryan on page three, yeah. it has Shannon Group has ten fully occupied hangars at Shannon Airport, totaling fifty-eight thousand seven hundred eighty-nine square meters. It's a massive area. Maybe Shannon's future is about uh, bit, rather than passengers. It's yeah. about planes. It's about services, yeah. cargo. But we we have certainly alluded to cargo in the past. Yeah. Cargo, yeah, cargo's a no-brainer. And yeah. and yeah. and of course, it had been mentioned in the context of the Amazon um, that went to Baldano. And why Shannon lost, I don't know. But there must be reasons for it. But surely there are other companies out there that they could be attracting. But, the sh but, but, there, but I see on page 8, Jim, that the Oireachtas Transport Committee visits Shannon Airport, and I wonder but what not they... But every, not everyone was happy. No. What, what happened there? Well, well David, one, one politician, Deputy McNamara, Mara, furious at transport snob. So the committee, of which, you know, there's a certain number of TDs on the committee, um, Deputy McNamara is not on the committee, but wanted to be invited yeah. down to yeah. have a look at what the committee was doing in Shannon. And of course, it's his backyard. All of the Clare TDs would want to be associated would, with would want to be news. associated with it. But anyway, yeah. the mem members of the Oireachtas Joint Committee on Transport and Communications visited Shannon Airport on Monday 
where they met with members of Shannon Group management, I suppose just to see what was going on and what's all the noise that that Scariff Bay Community Radio always and, and talks David, about. there's a protocol involved, obviously. So you think, you think um, Deputy McNamara should have been invited? Well, I don't think it was important uh, one way or the other because we were going to get a report in the media irrespective of who was there. Mm. At least we should be getting a report, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. Yeah. And I suppose the fact that, first of all, that they came down yeah. it would be a, yeah. a, a news a, item. Of importance. Yeah. And, and it says here that the committee, is, you'd be happy to hear this, gentlemen, because you've been always, uh, particularly Pat now, I hope Pat is listening back to this. This is now the Eructus, based in the capital city of Dublin. He said the committee has been examining the impact, this is Joe Carey, on Dublin's dominance of Irish aviation. And this is a quote, we're looking at national aviation policy as well as the need to amend it. Dublin has a huge market share. They have something like 87% of traffic, which is unsustainable in my view. This is Deputy Joe Carey. He would say that, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's presumably what they're looking about. And, and um, But uh, anyway, Deputy McNamara, of all the Clare TDs and senators, uh, certainly had his nose out of place in this one. Yeah, yeah but I, I see in, in page 11 of the Echo, I note that, um, now, you'd sort of wonder, is there a bit of sort of inter-party um, politics at play? Uh, the, cha the committee chairperson, Kieran O'Donnell of Fine Gael, uh, informed D Deputy McNamara that he could not attend. And it also says there, no invitation was issued to Violet Ann Wynne for the engagement either. Yeah. But you see, if you issue one invitation to one of them, you have to issue it to all of them. Hmm. I'm assuming that Joe Carey and Cahill Crow and uh, Timmy Julie are members of this. Uh, that's of, the of the committee. Of the committee. That's why I would read yes, it. Yes, I would. Agree yeah, it'd be useful to yeah. know that, but I, one presumes that they are. And as a result, maybe the others then, Deputy McNamara invited Anne Wynne, felt out of. But remember, there are senators as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like Senator Timmy Dooley is there is mentioned as well. So where do you draw the line? But I suppose he could be a member of that committee. He could. He we could. Don't, we don't have the protocol. There's a, uh, there's an intimation that in fact uh, any elected representative is entitled to attend as an observer at these committee meetings. Any member of the public. Uh, I, I, um, I spent six happy months working as a student for the Public Accounts Committee. Oh, tell us more. When I was 19 years old. And uh, any member of the public can, as in the Dáil and, and the Shannon, can yeah. attend the yeah. committee meetings if you yeah. have been brought in by a, a deputy. They refuse them, you see. This is the point. Yeah. Uh, but you see, I can understand it because uh, I understand when a minister comes down to open something, they, the local TDs want to be there to share in the good news and want to get their picture in the press. Hmm. Um, so... What, what value would a non-committee member bring to the committee? To the committee. The Fair committee point. is down there to yeah. talk to people, to look yeah. around, yeah. to make a few judgments. What, what value do, does a senator or a TD bring to that particular process? I suppose it's information gathering there in the yeah. Yes, and I suppose a, a local TD with their finger on the pulse would be able to inform the committee of... Yeah. Uh, on, but again, look, if it's... If it was an official committee meeting, uh, observers are entitled to come. Yeah, true. If it wasn't, if it was a private meeting of the committee on a fact-finding thing, then yeah. I suppose that's different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll go on. Yeah. 
Um, their reports, they're looking at the front page of the Clare Echo. And uh, last weekend, Ennis was like um, the Sahara Desert. Dry as a bone. Well, it was if, there? You, if it was if you were looking for cider and vodka. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, a, a large crowd came down to Ennis last weekend for the wonderful game between Limerick it's like, and Clare. It's like Italian 90. Do you remember yes. how we used to respond? It sort of ended the same as Italian 90, John. Well, like a, a, a score draw. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we claim a moral victory out of a score draw. Yes. But... but uh, the Porig McMahon has that story. Pubs run out of cider and vodka. It's an amazing headline to, to see, yeah, really. Mm. But what's very nice about that is that there was such a huge crowd out celebrating and no blackguarding. I yeah, that, yeah. That's what makes one... Uh, it's because they, couldn't, they had no cider and vodka. No, they had plenty of it. <laughs> they ran out of it. They could behave themselves. They could behave themselves, <laughs> yeah. I'll even on the front page would of the Clare Echo there. That? I would, of course. On the front page of the Clare Echo, you have three Clare supporters, three generations of the, um, yes. of the Considine family. Ballier. And just behind them, you have groups of Limerick supporters sitting. Now, there's, there are sports, not you know, several hundred miles away from here, where you would not have fans mixing like that. Absolutely. Do you know? And, that's, and you've made that point you know, earlier on in the conversation as well. And I think it's well, well worth, you know, affirming our people. Yeah. Mm. But I would say, John, for most sporting occasions now, there wouldn't be much trouble, or even concerts and things. You wouldn't have, it certainly wouldn't make the papers that there would be trouble. There might be a little bit of argy-bargy, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. in the middle of the night. But yeah. by and large, I think, Compared to soccer hooliganism in the United Kingdom yeah. and in other parts of Europe, yeah. we're a very sane and sensible yeah. we got population. In the year of the fact fraction. Faction fighting. Mm -hmm. fighting. Yeah. Right. Well, I go to see Shelburne from time to time in Dublin because my son-in-law is a big supporter, so I'm often down at Talca Park. But again, there's no segregation there. People can just go in and yeah. cheer yeah. and shout, yeah. and yeah. there isn't any hassle. Yeah. And I suppose unlike I Glasgow and Celtic and Rangers, I mean that that can often turn into explosion, uh, difficult situations at yeah. times. Yeah. I'm looking at um, um, just to mention it now. We don't have to go to it. Page twenty-two of the Clare Echo, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, connected with the hurling. Um, the Sounds like a western. It does indeed. Well, the ball shooting from all sides. Shooting from uh, he he had an incredible <laughs> game yesterday or on Sunday. Just like he's had quite most of his games are incredible. You were, it, up in the, you were up in the recording box, weren't you? No, we weren't. We didn't. Claire FM had the... As a Claireman, how did you feel? What, what was the emotion like as you watched our, our heroes out there? Um, well, very, very proud. Very, very proud. And, you know, with a great satisfaction that, whereas we mightn't be fully there yet, but we're going in the right direction. Mm. Um, I mean, so many... Uh, of the Clare teams, both in Hurling and Camogie, have done so well. I mean, the, the Clare minor hurling team, about 10 days ago, uh, they, they were only beaten on penalties by Tipperary in the Munster final, and they're still in it. Yeah. Um, our junior Camogie team, and we were commentating on that, won last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, the senior hurlers, senior Camogie players, gave a fantastic display against a team that would be one of the best in the country. 
and only were only beaten but after extra extra time. How do you feel about Jim about the idea of a match being determined, a hurling match now? I'll accept it, uh, the relevance of it in football, but in hurling, deciding the outcome by penalties. I think it's fine for my own opinion. It's fine for professional sport. Um, I think for amateur sport and certainly for underage, yeah. uh, it should be replayed. Do I think. Anything? I think. I. I, I can't. Penalties in hurling now, it would be oh, off the ball type I, of thing. I, yeah. I, I'd be with Jim, a, a, re, a replay is the way forward. Yeah. A penalty, penalties, you, it seems to be kind of anatomy to kind of hurling. Mm. Is it partly related, Jim, to the fact that now the, uh, the way that the seasons have been organised, that right. we'll say the inter-county is now over a, a tighter period of time, that they probably don't have the same leeway for replays that they may have had previously. Yeah, I'd say yes, uh, that is true. That is definitely true. And But I think in an amateur sport, it can be, you know, I can see in a professional sport to come back for a replay, maybe cost all the clubs involved huge amounts of money. It might involve traveling long distances. I, you know, a few years ago, you were kind of allowed one replay. You know, if the game finished level, extra time and then it went to a replay yeah. I think most games should go particularly fine and would you, mm -hmm. would you, would you as a compromise against uh, on the two arguments that are coming out there would you support the principle even for a trial period of uh, freeze from, seven, from the 70s no. no well if you look at the rugby no. uh, didn't Munster get knocked out of the Heineken Cup or, whatever, or whatever it's called now yeah on penalty on kicks. Penalty on kicks. penalty kicks. Now, again, that's a professional sport. Yeah. It's new concept, I think, to rugby, as far as I'm aware. But I was not aware prior to last Sunday that uh, a camogie match could go to a second period of extra time. Now, maybe that should have been something that could be considered for yeah. hurling. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I think I think at underage level. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't agree with penalties for underage. Yeah. No, I, I, like because I know we we did a game before Christmas, Jim. I, I think was it the week before Christmas inside in Cusick Park that went to penalties, and it was, I think. That's right. But Ike were involved. Was, was it under twenty one? Yes. And like, they had played extra time. The lads, half the lads weren't able to lift the ball, mm. let alone you know give mm. it a, a good belt. Mm. I thought it was it was very unfair. It was yeah. very yeah. unfair. So, anyway, so what would you say, Luke? Ex a second period, a second period of extra time in hurling. David, mm. yes, I'd go with that. And you or a replay. Yeah, I wouldn't go with penalties anyway. Okay, so Scarface Community Radio. <laughs> <is> making, <laughs> well, the four of us here. Four of us. We are against a repetition, but we unfortunately have to live with it mm. for this year. Isn't that right? Listen, we'll, we'll go on. Looking at the front page of the Clare Champion, yeah. and there seems to be, uh, there's, we've reported it before, in relation to the difficulties at the uh, rescue team in Doolan had. Uh, volunteers willing to return to Doolan units. Um, I suppose, Luke, most of us don't know the insides yes, yeah. of that story uh, no I, I none of us do not over this side of the county anyway and uh, while i on, i read the article on two or three occasions and i'm still at a bit of a loss but i think as we've previously alluded to it just appears that there had to be serious serious interpersonal issues with a number of people at this at the center involved in it and 
it looks as if they're not all fully resolved. And I think there's probably, uh, blame wouldn't be the word I would use too strongly, but I certainly think that there appear to have been issues with regards to how people on the ground were treated, maybe interpersonal issues, but also at a government level and at a level in the Coast Guard. And there just seems to me to be an underlying narrative that isn't been said, but I think that, that, that the, there's the Coast Guard themselves may have a certain liability or responsibility, not a liability, certain responsibility for some of the matters, for perhaps making them fo uh, fester over yeah, a period of time. Yeah. But you see, again, when you have you've voluntary people yeah. doing work, we have alluded to before that it should probably be professional based. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's no yeah. insult meant yeah. to yeah. the people to that the give up their time yeah. and are very well trained yeah. to do yeah. it. But it's a little bit like there are other bodies involved that would have been done on an amateur basis before that are now, we'll say, you know, with fully trained and certifiable professionals yeah, to do it. Yeah. And maybe that's the avenue yeah. that should be looked yeah. at. Hmm. I mean, we've said it before that particularly for, for lifeguards, you need trust. And in this very sad case, trust broke down and for whatever reasons. And I think there are multiple reasons. Remember, there was mediation and one of the top mediators in the country. It was reported, this is going back months now, came down and couldn't resolve it. And ultimately, the, they sacked everybody. Now, what seems to be controversial, well, or maybe not controversial, but not pleasing to some, is that some of the sack people have been brought back because they had to sack everybody. Now, it might be only a handful of people. It might have only been two or three or one that might, that might have been part of the bigger problem, um, as well as the management, as well as all the other people that, uh, that Luke mentioned. But they had to sack everybody, I suspect, and then they brought back the people, six. They brought back six people. Mm -hmm. They need eight, and there are a number of people, retirees have been brought back, according to the story by Dan Denner. Some of them don't have certification, so they're only allowed to do a certain amount of rescuing, a certain, actually search. Yeah. They can't do the full shebang. That's then, the, the, the people who have remained sacked have volunteered to come back, but. It's very hard to see them being accepted. I think the whole situation could be defined as a cluster four-lettered in search your own words. Yes. Okay. It's a, Jim, just and because of the outline which which you've given, it strikes me you will never have in public uh, an indication, a proper indication. No. 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 Because no. The slander and libel yeah, and. But it's sad. Personal, it's, it's very, very sad. sad. It yeah. is because yeah. because they are one of the busiest groups in the country. Who do fantastic work. Absolutely. Yeah. Are they very busy? Luke? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. for tragic reasons, yeah. A, a, yeah. a lot of the time yeah. in relation to activities yeah. at the in, cliffs. But, in uh, that part of the world. But, uh, yeah. no, uh, all to be all to be admired, but the yeah. situation has been let Like let any organisation, these things can happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Where the Care Champion has quite an amount of a number of articles on housing. Uh, looking at um, page three, for example, uh, I see there are 6,241 uh, adults and children on the Clare County Council's social housing waiting list. Mm. That's a lot of people. 
Well, it is, and I, 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 when you see a heading, council defends record, yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't bode well. No. Jessica Quinn has the article there, and I just look at it there in, we'll say, the fourth um, column. 2016 census established there were 5,936 vacant houses in Clare and 4,821 holiday homes. Meanwhile, nationally, the government is spending one billion on, you know, on basically uh, HAPs, which is, you know, supplements to yes. people who say for housing, uh, and subsidising private landlords. There are, you know, there's serious issues there. There is also five, just over five and a half thousand private rented tenancies registered with the Regist Residential Tenancy Board, mm -hmm. as per data provided up to. 24th of yeah. March 2022. So that information is up to date, whereas the census figures are obviously a little bit out of date, but they just give an indicator yeah. mm -hmm. as to what the figures are. And we'll say, using the same ratio, five and a half thousand tenancies could equate to 12,000 individuals in private rented accommodation in the county. Luke, why do you think those, that these are tenancies that are available or that are, they're presumably all, Already there, already yeah. there, and being rented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, you said if that's the figure that's been rented, but there's still over six thousand on a list. Yeah, yeah. You but know? I mean, we forget. But like to, like to say that the county has a quote robust housing delivery program. That's bull. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Who said that? That's from the council. Yeah. It's bull, because how can they when yeah. the council stopped building houses years ago with national policy? Yeah, yeah. You know? But this, this crisis has been going on since uh, pre-COVID. This was the only thing we were talking about, remember? Yes. During the general election and pre-the general election. And then COVID hit, and we stopped talking about the housing crisis, but it didn't go away. Then the Ukraine, unfortunately, okay. took all the news, and now it's come back with a bang. Now tell us what should happen then. Well, the, the local authorities and the government, successive governments, have had a lot of time to try and deal with it, and it doesn't seem to be getting much better. No, no, none of okay. them have no. dealt with it, and if you ask me, when Fine Gael were in power, we'll say, 2012, 13, 14, and when the country was on its knees and they sort of were basically trying to get any bit of investment into the country, and you can argue that Michael Noonan as finance minister, they welcomed, we'll say, quote unquote, the vulture funds in to, you know, yeah. to buy up properties, and you can see the results of that are ongoing. And there is a perception out there that's been articulated by some of the opposition parties that, um, you know, we said we've lo we've lost. We didn't have a history in this country of pension funds or inve investment funds coming in and buying a block of apartments, for example, yeah. mm. or buying you know buying buildings to rent. Mm. That now exists and it ma has manifested itself in Dublin. I don't think it has manifested itself down the country mm. as much. But the ca the councils was a were not building houses. The government's answer to it basically seemed to was, well, we'll, we'll sort of let the private market uh, take yeah. it over and we'll subsidise it. It is kind of an ideological question because it says here, um, the counterpoint to that, which I think uh, Luke might be supporting, is that uh, clearly, clear Labour Party 
believes the local authority can return to building the social and affordable housing for people like they did from the 1930s to the 1970s. So there is a left-right divide there, it would seem. Now, I was talking to somebody last night in Dublin who, who claims that, I um, don't know how true this is now, so we'll have to be careful and have to check our facts, but according to him anyway, Sinn Féin, which is generally a left-leaning party, opposed a great deal of um, housing developments in the greater Dublin area, and yet publicly they have advocated for the building of them. But if you look at the, the record in the council, according to this person, but I don't know, should, should John, what do you think? Should, should the council start building um, but, local authority uh, housing Well, well David, that's, that's one variation of the question. My suggestion is the council nationally should be given a budget to do it. Yeah. And not just a few million here and there. As the council, for example, uh, on page two of the champion there, uh, planning permission sought for 30 homes in Tala. This is about the third, is it, application mm -hmm. for... Mm -hmm. But this is a private development, of which presumably a portion will be yeah. given yeah. to yeah. social yeah, but, housing. But in general, the, you know, the council are involved in small schemes. Yeah. They should... They, they need to be involved in bigger schemes. Yeah. Like if, if we do accept that this is a crisis and that there are 6,241 adults and children on the council social housing waiting list. And that's a fact. And that is the fact. And if you're one of those, David, if you're one of those families, yeah. Okay, yeah. realistically, I'm, when can you expect, even if the council take a, a decision, they're going to start immediately. Years. You're still years. talking years. several years for the planning so, process. Um, that has got to be the context in which you question mm. this. this yeah, but again, you, you look at, we'll say, what has been done. If you say, what, 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 have, what have the councils done in East Clare, housing-wise, over the last number of years? And I, no, I'm, I'm just picking East Clare because this is where we are. Mm. There was maybe a group of 10 or 12 houses built in Fecal. There's plans for 18 apartments. Yeah. Yeah. Road, Li literally... Yeah. 100 yards away from where we are at the moment. Are they apartments or I think the, duplexes? I, well, I think there was, well, apartments are duplex. I They're think not, a mix. Yeah, yeah a, a mix. But I, I don't recall much more. There's yeah. a few social going and into the house at I would, would compulsorily acquire, do you know, a sufficiency of land here in Scarlet to make it, uh, you know, attractive for an architect to design a uh, a, a, no, but it's money is what's needed, John, to build money's them. no problem. No, but, uh, the council will tell you they don't have the money to no, do they, it. No, uh, yes, that's true. They don't have it inside in the, in the safe inside in, in council buildings. But there is no shortage of money, correct? Mm -hmm. We've shown that. We've shown it in our response to the Ukrainian crisis. And to COVID. And to COVID. So let's, let's assume okay. that that's not the problem. On that optimistic note, John, we have the music. We'll break for a bit of music because uh, a lot of what we're talking about is to do with democracy mm. and it's to do with the people having their say. Mm. So let's hear Leonard Cohen, the late Leonard Cohen, and democracy. Democracy. Very good.
in the air. You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And we had a little uh, democratic uh, vote here, and it was democratically decided that the sound democracy was too long and uh, we wouldn't have enough We cut democracy out. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and are imposing a dictatorship. Anyway, I hope uh, it's from uh, the LP The Future by Leonard Cohen, released back in 1992. Fabulous song, Democracy. Now, I Jim, suppose... just before you go on, could, yeah. I, could I just uh, remind us that there are only 17 properties in County Clare available for rent. 17 properties. And we're talking about revitalising, you know, our communities and what have you. It is cheaper, isn't this funny now? It's cheaper to pay a mortgage than it is to rent. To rent, I see. Mm. And Come. yet the banks are refusing to actually give to follow that. that Donna McGettigan was yeah. talking about well, that. No, I just want to make sure that okay. we, we get that said. Uh, on, a, on a very sad note, um, this weekend we're mourning, uh, we're here in Scarf Bay Community Radio and our studios are in the, the grounds and the building which is owned by Scarf GA Club. And when we started here in 2015, we started by the good graces of Scarif GA Club, who have and continue to give us uh, rooms in which to work with. But this week, um, the chairman of Scarif GA Club, Sean Brogan, uh, passed away after a relatively short illness. And I suppose we just like to um, pay our respects to Sean, um, to the Hurling Club, to Sean's family, and to all the people who knew him well. John, you you knew Sean for a long, very, long time. Very, very well, Leon. Taught him and uh, always maintained that he was ready-made for the history department in university. But he chose not to go there. But he was a very keen, keen uh, history student. Very keen, way above the, uh, the average at second level. So, and a gentle man as well. I mean, he was big, mm. but bigness it was wider than the physical. Do you know? There were other parts of him which are very, very big as well. Yeah. Isn't that true? And I can tell you the history of Scarif GA, there's very little, or, or many other clubs around as well, there's very little he couldn't tell you. Yes. Do you yes. know? He was, yes. a, he was an authority on gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very well read. Yeah. Okay. So, so Scott. Okay, so we'll see all of us. Killaloo Community Council have uh, an election ongoing at the moment. David, uh, maybe you might uh, tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, this is in both papers, Jim. Um, page 13 of the, uh, of the um, champion, Killaloo Community Council elections. Many places have community councils, including Scarif here and, or in the case of Toongraney, a development association, roughly the same yeah. thing. But Killaloo has been without one for a while, I understand. But happily, they are starting a new one with elections to take place next month for positions on the body. Speaking about democracy, this is local democracy in action. The community council in Killaloo has been incorporated and registered with the company's registration office as a company limited by guarantee. Um, the process was completed under the auspice of Winter Natira, which is a qu quite a venerable organisation. 
which supports the establishment and development of community councils throughout Ireland. So the, they're, they're, I think the elections will take place from June 24 to the 27th. I think there are nine, yes, there are nine community councillors um, go, going uh, positions available um, and you have to candidates for election are invited to contact the chairperson Graham Lightfoot at Killaloo Community Council at gmail.com for nomination papers presumably you have to get a few signatures and the nominations have to be returned by June 17th and then the elections June 24th to the 27th okay well it's, it's a great example of local democracy absolutely and the word community is more and more figuring in articles in our local newspapers. Mm, mm, Do you know? Mm, mm, Isn't that right? And when, I suppose, when a community is dealing with, with the local authority or dealing with the government or whatever, you know, a community council has the, I suppose, the strength uh, yeah. that it has been elected democratically yeah. by local people. So well, it's not just an ad hoc group I've come together. I'd be fully behind it, and I think it should be enhanced, our local democracy. Unfortunately, under previous government, I think Phil Hogan actually was the minister responsible, got rid of certain aspects. So the local, the local town councils were done away with. Yeah. And all that was kind of left were, these, um, were the community councils, but they're not recognised. As, mm. as it says here, they have to be incorporated as a company. So technically they're a company rather than a, a constituent part of local democracy. And I'd love to see them being enhanced and given actual like if you go to france yeah. even in england there are even there are parish councils in england um, David, and they are part of the formal governance yeah. of the do you think we are seeing the first step towards that very thing rather than but we know, look at winter natira john winter natira i think we've taken a step back winter natira was established a long time ago promoting community and We've given them no re official recognition, except saying that they can become businesses. Mm -hmm. And yet they do such an important, they have such an important yeah. role, but they, they have no official recognition. Must, must like go to France and there's a mayor of a, of a tiny yes, little they're village. Paid. They're paid. Yeah. Aren't they? And so if, if, you well, are they're go if you're going to give something some sure. little modicum of uh, expenses or whatever else to elected community council members, I think, John, one of their strengths is that they're voluntary. You think that is? Uh, I do, at that level. I think one of the strengths is that they are yeah. voluntary. You and I, John, 25 years ago, John and I were on Scarlet Community Council, and we were talking about much the same thing. Is, you know, here we have a local democratically elected group with no official recognition, only the good grace of, of the the county council chairman or the or the county yeah. manager and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, in Broadford, you have the Broadford Action Group. And we'll move on maybe just to have a look at their, you know, going back a few months, yeah. there was great optimism that Broadford were going to succeed in getting their sewage scheme started. It's, as I said, it's shovel ready. And that's the ready to go. Well, it's, there isn't so much an update as their other players have entered the, the I, field. I, I think the West has woken up, Jim. I think has that it? would be the, the way to describe The West's awake. The, well, the West is awake and, um, you know, there's a few articles. And they've been, uh, over the last three to four weeks, there have been a few articles in it. Like, you just go to, now I know we're, we're this is the East Clare part of the show, but 
page, page four and page five of the champion. Uh, the community is broken, short-term letting tear into fabric out of communities contributing to crisis. That's in Kilkee, people sleeping in cars if they're lucky enough to have a car. And then Irish water tackled over emissions at facility near Middletown, Middletown. right? And then yeah. you go on to page six, jockeying for position to get treatment plan cash with a great picture of um, councillors, senators and TD with council CEO Pat Dowling and Irish water executives at the turning of the sod for the waste treatment plant in Liscanner. And the question all councillors lips, what community would be next? Yes. Well, I suppose, have Broadford a slight advantage in that they're ready to go? Well, you would hope so. And I would, I would say up to three or four weeks ago, it was Broadford were leading the way. They had sort of done the media battle very well. They had got the politicians out there. They had got the minister down there. I just wonder now... Yeah. But it could be wise, it, Luke, having got that far, it may be very, very wise to turn back now, okay? They have made their case. They were heard. Isn't that right? But the dark horses coming up behind them, who are, according to Fiona McGarry, or really she's quoting Councillor Garrity, yeah. is Doolan, Carrigaholt, Broadford, and uh, Kirk Clare. Yes. And uh, Cora Clare, sorry. And, and they might have that stamina to mm. outpace well, the I front hope, runner. Not, I uh, hope with Broadford that there's. Things are calm on the surface, but there's, I hope there's a lot of energy paddling under the surface. Or we'll be down there again, Jim. Yes, but I mean, we, it's, it's our part of the world here, and we wish yeah. Broadford every yeah. success. Well, I, I, I do think that maybe for a bit of balance that our own uh, councillors in East Clare should probably be getting the oar out and back in Broadford, yes. in the way that the West Clare councillors yeah. have been Fill the void. Don't Absolutely. Let, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I keep the void. But the, the big question, <laughs> which was, I think, raised last week, was, well, what criteria will the council use in determining it? That's yes. the basic question. So it's really in the hands of the executive, the CEO and his directors of service, and... Uh, no matter what councillors you might have, uh, it really does depend on that one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. Um, Luke, this is, I know, your bailiwick and your special interest uh, on page two of the Clare Echo. Uh, Killaloo could be EV fix. EV mean, meaning? No, electric vehicle. Electric uh, I said, well, no, uh, I said, uh, in fairness to him, Porrick has alluded to this. Uh, before and it's also on page 13 of the champion and as I mentioned it before that basically in the Killaloo municipal district there is not one public charging point for an electric car. Shocking. Right? And, and Luke could you just define the mun municipal district of Killaloo well, because it's more than just Killaloo. Well you're, it goes you're, all the way up doesn't it? Well, well if I give it geographically yeah basically you can get charging in uh, Ennis you can get charging, I'll go outside the county, in Portumna. Yeah. But if you drive from Ennis to Portumna and, and you then drive to Killaloo. There's nothing. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. the, the closest charging point to most of us here in uh, East Clare is actually in Burt Hill. Is the Apple Green service Apple station Green in Burt Hill. Hill. And now yeah. we'll say if you have a Tesla, you can charge away to your heart's content. No, there are two points put in. And uh, Apple Green have a planning application in for an additional eight charging points at the mm -hmm. minute. So they are getting the lead out. But the, again, last year it was alluded to that there was money available to the councils 
for this from the government, yeah. from a, a national fund, and they've done nothing about it. Three or four months ago, the councillors from West Clare had a, a member of the council out looking at proposed charging points. Now, I will say there are points in uh, Kilkee, there are points in Lahinch, there's you know a few other places around uh, uh, West Clare as well. Yeah. You know, in Milltown and a few other places. There are some charges. There's not enough. But there's nothing here. There's absolutely nothing here. So you have listeners from Ennis to Portumna. Back to Dina. Back to Killaloo. Back to Back to, ba we we'll say, to Bird Hill, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So you're welcoming this latest development? I'm really? not, David. Because, <laughs> because I, I said, I, I welcome the fact that our, our councillors seem to have woken up to the fact. But I, what I would say is that they're, they're, two, they're two years too late. But you know? forget about that now. We need to get it done now. Yeah, but now. Right, that's a little bit like we could talk about money point and getting things done now, John. Don't get me started on that. Right, so basically, you know, they're talking about pilot projects this, pilot projects that, and there will be nothing done with this for the next year and a half. Yeah. You know, like when, when the footpaths were put into Scarif, my understanding was that there was to be a, a charging point put into Scarif. I see nothing done with it. I, I see it's alluded to here again. You need to put some bit of infrastructure in there. And again, they have done nothing for this over a number of years. Mm. And you'd sort of argue that it's something that they should have been looking at. And they should yeah. be more proactive. The first place I would suggest that the if the council are serious about it is they have, they have a charging point at um, their council offices in Ennis. There should be a charging point at every council-owned building mm. in the county. To that's start a, with. That's, to a, start that's with. reasonable. What's I the think big deal sensible. anyway, you tell me, technically? What's the big deal? I don't think there's, a, I, I don't think there's anything technical is, about is it. Is there any the reason? The money is there, as Luke said. Um, it's just the willingness to is do Is there it. any reason why petrol stations around County Clare couldn't start putting in an electric vehicle charging point? Because if we are going to switch over eventually mm. from fossil fuel to, mm. so I mean, surely to put in, uh, well, is well, it prohibitive well, of the cost, I wonder? For, for DC fast charging, mm -hmm. there is a large price. Now, yeah, I, could, I could go back to national policy because basically they've given the ESB yeah. carte blanche to sort of roll out the public network. Okay, and one could argue that they should probably have given, you know, more if they were to roll it out, they should have given them more resources to roll it out because what's there at the minute isn't sufficient to meet the demand. Mm. And, you, you know, you, you talk about it's hard to get a new car anywhere at the minute if you're looking, you know, you're talking up to six, eight months of a waiting list. Mm. And with the price of uh, petrol and diesel having significantly increased in the last number of months, a lot more people that wouldn't have thought about it previously are looking to it. Mm. Yeah. Supposing uh, I'm going on holidays with the family, okay? Will I become conscious, conscious of where charging points are, and will the location of charging points have an influence on where I'm going to spend well, well, my what money? What I what I'd potentially say to you, John, is if you were going staying in a hotel, you might make an inquiry. Does the hotel have charging points? And there are a few hotels that I'm aware of in West Clare that do. And some people are making it a selling point that you can plug in mm. while you're there. And that's, but a council owned car park, any council car park should have mm. 10 
charging point. And if they could be AC, so it means that they could be slower, but it means you, if you park up for a few hours and if you have enough to get you on your way. But people need to understand that for 90% of journeys that people make, you do your charging at home. It's the cheapest yeah. place to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, at night. Like, yeah. at night. You know, like we said, if I'm going to charge my car, I charge it at night roughly 10 cents. Okay? Roughly. If I'm going to, we'll say, the likes of Apple Green, or I'm using the ESP chargers, you're talking between 30 and 40 cents a unit. So, it makes sense. Well, you, anyway, you use Pat it is, when, when is, you need to. Is, is making a plea on page 13, the report on his charge to the council. On They're getting great usage out of that photograph of Pat They're looking indeed, off yeah, into, yeah. The, into the distance. I, yeah, I think, yeah. did we <laughs> say before, was that taken at Tulla Courthouse? I think, it looks that, like that, Tulla, that, yeah. that yes. photograph. Yeah. So. Okay, listen, we'll move on yeah. because we've only a couple of minutes left oh, and, and we have a couple of things. I'm just looking back, I suppose, the, the Trungraney Heart Festival seemed oh, to have been a good success. Yeah. Uh, we had a concert on Sunday night, it was a Saturday night. Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday night yeah. And um, next, way, Jim, would you believe it? There are three festivals. I was just saying to Luke before, before we started. There was a jazz festival here in in Clare. There was a traditional festival, and there was a, the third one was the Harp Festival last weekend. Yeah, all yeah. all of this in a two-week yeah. period. But isn't it great to see the festivals it back? It certainly is. Well, next weekend we start the Mount Shannon Arts Festival. Yeah. And um, there's, there's, there are loads of the brochures are out. I've seen them over the last week and a half. Yeah. And, uh, loads of advertising and uh, page three in the entertainment section in, or the living section in the champion yes. as well. I see Shula Colleran looking out from looking behind. Very, very yes, well. looking very well. Uh, Jim, have we time to talk about Spence and Neil? And the very briefly, John. Well, we'll, we'll announce the energy plan for Clooney, Spence and Neil Community Development will be launched next Wednesday. May 25th in the primary school in Clooney, isn't that right? Yes. And, and uh, the master plan for the area, we've talked about this with Tom Larkin. And we've and had him in the, studio, in the studio a couple of occasions. So now we're going to hear how far it has progressed, mm. what stage they're at. It's going to be a very interesting evening. Yeah, and it's and very interesting from the point of view of other community groups yes, around County yeah. Clare, around East Clare. Um, and as to what is, you know, they have part of the ground broken at least and the, they're tracting the route forward in terms of community energy. Yeah, I, I would say great work being done by the group. It should be with more assistance from the council and at a government level as well. Well, you'll see now, Luke, we'll be there, we'll be yeah. recording it and we'll be transmitting it. Right there. Yeah, we'll chat to all mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. the people there. That's next Wednesday, half yeah. seven to half nine. Yeah. I see you're talking about waiting there a while ago. Uh, it's, there's a heading there on the Clare Champion on page 13. Um, Fiona McGarry, Scarif work will be worth the wait, says the local authority. So um, I suppose let's hope so. The, yeah. there's, there's a lot of planning going on at the moment and to, to bring it to the stage where... Yeah, uh, there's a lot of applications going to be done, Jim, and I, I said, uh, after, after that, we'll apply to the department with our full dossier. The Shovel Reggie project will be worth in the region three or four million when complete. Uh, the question will be, well, maybe when it's complete, but when will it start? A bit like yes. the bridge in Killaloo. That's the, that's the thing. I suppose, though, that on the one hand, being optimistic, 
when the government are giving money and, and considerable sums of money for the planning stage, mm. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense at all then mm. to have to reach that and reach to that it's shovel ready and then pull the plug on it. So, Past people of Broadford. Yes, that is true. That is true. Well, we're still optimistic about Broadford as yes, well. But it should have been done years ago. It has, I said the shovel has got rusty. It has been <laughs> there for so long. But hopefully it will come to fruition. Well, there's lads down there in Broadford well able to work the shovel. Indeed. And okay. the slam. And the slam, yes. Okay, listen, we've reached the end of today's show. Uh, my thanks to John S. Kelly. Uh, Welcome, Jim. To David Fleming. Thanks, Jim. And to Luke Fleming. Thanks, Jim. Um, hopefully you're now match fit, Luke. Well, relegated to the bench for next week. <laughs> Pat, come back quick. Anyway, we're, we're talking about uh, the Mount Shannon Arts Festival there a moment ago, and it's on over the next two weekends, starting next weekend. But one of the star attractions at the festival is a man called John Spillane. And uh, John Spillane, fabulous singer, and he has a new song out, uh, David. Moon over Clare, I believe. Will we give it a spin? Yeah, sure, why not? It'll, It'll be a very short spin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll okay. be no eclipse of that one. Will there? there will not, no. Okay, thank you to everybody. We'll see you, please God, at uh, two o'clock next Sunday. Goodbye and God bless. When I was a singer, I had only one song that I wove from the sunlight and I rambling along I tied it with rushes, I freed it with air and it swept me along to the old county Clare It went meet me tonight by moonlight under that old Clare moon I chanted in Doolin, I sang at Fenor, I went rattling and clattering on the old flaggy shore. Where the cliffs at Kilkee, they challenged the sea, and I sang like a thrush in the town of Kilrush. I sang Meet Me Tonight by moonlight under that old